Hey everybody, what is going on? My name is Eric McGrew. I'm with Elevated Office Podcast. Of course, I'm the host of the show. I'm the owner of Elevated Office Consulting and also Eric Street Service here in Montrose, Colorado. This episode, like all my episodes, is brought to you by Gap Arborist Supply. I'm a sponsored climber and part of the Gap Arborist Supply team, as well as I'm also a sponsored climber for Weaver Arborist and I'm heading up a bunch of designs and different aspects for them. So very proud to have the opportunity to work with some really cool companies and um, bring some information to you guys that I think will be super beneficial. Today we're going to talk about a topic that um, recently I covered on an Instagram live. Unfortunately, the audio kind of skipped out on me at the end and also um, the recording didn't save when I tried to post it. So if you were there for part of it, here's your opportunity to kind of think about a little bit more um, on that. And if you weren't there, well, hopefully this information will be beneficial to you. And this is not in any way to promote myself or, or justify my actions or um, make you feel that what I did or did not do was right or wrong. This is just a check on reality and something that I dealt with and that we all deal with. And it really brings to mind how no matter how long we've been in the industry, something's going to occur and it's going to, it's going to test our abilities to control ourselves, um, in the, in the mental, uh, game. And, and I've talked about that a few times in the past. And if you haven't listened to those, uh, episodes, I really recommend it talking about the mental game. So, um, to start off with, I'm going to give a little bit of backstory about the job that I was on, or actually as of this recording, I'm still on because weather has been just absolutely atrocious out here. And, um, this was a situation where I was called in to do an emergency job and it wasn't your typical emergency job, but it was definitely a, an important job to get on. The tree climbers and tree service companies in our area, like in many of you guys areas are pretty overwhelmed at the moment with work and um, we're all just trying to get through. The problem with this is at times with the best of intentions, some of us can uh, get distracted and we can let our clients go longer than they deserve or that we want to um, due to just being the the heavy workload, um, jobs taking longer than we had hoped for, equipment failures. It seems that at least in my personal experience recently, talking to others. I can't buy equipment that's worth anything. I can't even buy replacement parts that are any good. And I just constantly am having failures. So that delays us. And then I got sick and was out for about a month. So of course, if you've dealt with any of the various illnesses that are going around, you might be sick and dealing with long-term absentee from work or limited work ability or whatnot. And if you're a small company like I am, where I'm the main climber and there's, um, you know, two or three other people that work with me and not all of them full time, it limits what you can do and how much and how quickly. Therefore, some of your clients may feel left out or left behind. So that is exactly what happened to this client 
that was not my client originally. It was another tree climbers. And, and I encouraged the client to stay with the other tree climber if he felt so willing. And um, it just happened that he called me right in between a job that I had finished that had been consuming me. And then I had like a gap in time and this was a job. And the emergency situation in this job only became more and more evident as the job progressed, not at first. And um, it, it's I'm glad I was able to do the job for him because I know there are other guys out here that are capable, but I would say that probably two-thirds of the companies out here would have probably destroyed this guy's property because I've seen them work and they don't want to take time to do rigging and they take a lot of chances and they will force lifts and rigs into places that really shouldn't be and they tear up property. Unfortunately though, this job has put me into some situations and um, things that have tested something I haven't really had a problem with in some time. And that is um, being able to control in under certain circumstances my mental control of nerves and calming myself down to not like try to rush when I don't need to. Um, the, those unrealistic and uh, difficult to manage fears that you have or anxieties you might have um, at times when you should really be able to like rationalize things and convince yourself otherwise. And um, it kind of caught me off guard because this isn't something I deal with a whole lot. Like I, I, I have, you know, like all of us situations that make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I, I climb sketchy trees all the time. That seems like that's what I'm getting called to do more and more these days because there's relatively few of us in the area that'll do it safely and do it well. And, um, that's kind of the reputation I'm getting, but even in those situations, I, if for some time now, I haven't gotten to a tree that I was in that I like really felt this uncomfortable as uncomfortable as I have on these trees. So, um, a little bit of, you know, detail. These are nine, a cluster of nine, uh, narrow leaf cottonwoods they are about 103 foot tall ish um i think one was like 110 uh i was told upon bidding the job that the trees were fully green this past summer and um i saw that there was a bunch of epicormic growth that had died at the end of the summer, the epicormic growth withered very quickly, I was told, and um, the trunks are just super, super hairy, of course, and the homeowner had been waiting on his tree climber arborist to come out and take care of these trees and remove them, and when I asked why they were such an important reason, he's like, well, there are a few dead branches up there that have been breaking off in the wind and they're big and they're like two or 300 pounds and hitting structure. So considering the close proximity of the trees to the client's house, as well as a house behind this house across the river, 
I determined that it was indeed a, a fairly significant risk and it needed to be mitigated fairly quickly, right? Um, so that's what I mean by it wasn't your typical hazard or, or emergency. It wasn't like the tree was uprooting or broken or anything. It was just they, they were in high potential of dead breaking out of them. Um, what I couldn't see from the ground is how much dead there was in the top and how far that dead came down the tree from the top. And what they didn't tell me at the time that would have made a difference is the tree, the tree canopy had been dead for like two or three years. And the only thing that was green on it this past year or two was the epicormic growth. So they were like, Oh, the trees were all green. And then all of a sudden they're dead, which when I tried to ask for, answers to questions because I'm like, that's really unusual. Um, they were incoherent at best in their, in their description. Another thing that causes a bit of situation and concern with these trees is the removal process. Because like I said, it's in super tight, um, situations. Three of the trees were leaning toward the homeowner's home and over a shed slash playhouse. And then um, let's see, two of them were standing straight up and then four of them were leaning across the river. Now, the two biggest trees of all of these are probably 45 inches in diameter and at DBH and they are leaning out toward the river. And part of the challenge that we have is if we don't get those trees fully removed this winter, when the snow melt from Telluride and the um, Rocky Mountains comes, the waters in that river get pretty swift, they get pretty high, and if any logs or debris that's substantial gets washed down river and hits a bridge pylon or somebody's driveway crossing pylons on their bridges, um, it can be a fine, it can be a big hassle, it can, it, yeah, it can, it can be a major deal. So we have to be careful and work everything in a reasonable time frame. So we're also being pressed because we've been having these regular storms come in that have just been like two days at a time. But when they come in, they often bring high winds and, and different things like that. And so, you know, knowing that the tops are dead and, and whatnot, it's, it's of concern to get them mitigated down and, and um, say to us as safe of a height as we can as quickly as possible. Right. Not to mention that this is like an hour and a half from me one way and I have to cross a mountain pass and lately they've been having a lot of like snow and sleet and it turns into ice and it, it, as soon as they come by scrape or, or um, salt or sand it's getting it's freezing again. So there's a bunch of variables here and in. I'm just trying to explain some of what we're dealing with that make up all these factors. So there's a time pressure. Money is not as much of a pressure because I bid pretty well on this job, even though it is a concern. Um, and there is, of course, the ultimate, which is the trees themselves um, and what they'll do. So when I first looked at the trees, the bottoms, none of them sound a hollow or dead in the trunk, so I didn't think much of it. It wasn't until I started climbing the trees that I realized that about 50 foot up, they become really unstable and very, very unpredictable. And 
This, of course, I didn't know until I got in the trees. Branches that are four or five inches in diameter that normally I would, like even a dead branch that I would, you know, limb walk out on at least 10 feet, 15 feet, whatever, to reduce the the size of a 30-foot branch down in half or whatnot because of the tight spacing were just snapping off. And, and so I was having to pre-tie them before I'd even try to walk out on them. And then, you know, I'm tied up at the top of these trees. So that makes your, that makes you start to question your, um, tie in points when you're tied off to all the stuff that's like super dead. Some of them of which, um, when I would spike in it, the outer shell, the sapwood that had died was pretty, hard but if you punctured that it went straight into punk and became like cracker and just brittled apart so there's been a bunch of stuff so now i'm stuck with not being able to reduce branches down like i normally would for rigging but i'm having to rig out like 30 and 40 foot pieces of of wood over houses that are barely missing they're crashing into spruce trees that are like five and ten feet away and i'm having to we're having to like finagle this rigging around trees and and things like that so all the plans that i originally had in mind for this kind of went out the window the first day i got in the tree and it, it didn't stop from there like it wasn't just one or two trees it's been all nine trees and it's been like non-stop every day i'm in the tree it's something new that's just like catching me off guard and so to be fair it it always is a mental stress on you. It will never not be if you're smart because you're always going to try to be safe and you're going to try to do what's good for you. Um, but it wasn't a big deal. Like the first week I was out there, we were like, whatever, you know, and, and yeah, a branch would break off. We'd have it tied off and it swing against the trunk and shatter into a million pieces and whatever and debris would go flying everywhere and whatnot and you're like okay well at least the whole branch didn't fall um it wasn't until i got into a couple of the back trees that um i started having more concerns and more issues and that's because the bark at the top above that 50 footish range was so so unstable that it would just start to like flake off in 18 inch to two foot chunks where my spike was. I couldn't like grab it and peel it off of the trunk on my own with my hand in many places. But as soon as you perforated that bark, it was so dry, it would split and just shell off and you're and you'd gaff out constantly. Right. And of course I've got my, top rope in so i'm not that worried about you know climbing it where the challenge came in is that i would have to take 30 foot tops so if i'm in a 100 foot tree you take a 30 foot top you're still at 70 foot and um, i'm standing on bark that i can literally feel starting to crumble under my spikes while i'm running my chainsaw trying to take a 30 foot top and the challenge with that is that, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about falling so much. It is that what I didn't want to occur was I did not want the chainsaw running and all of a sudden both my gaffs let go and me fall with my chainsaw running because the bark was that unstable. And the bark is so thick that 
I my gaffs won't go through the bark into the wood. So like, you know, a piece gaffs out and then I like have to go back and try to get my gaff into the wood. And the wood is so hard under the bark that I can't get. I mean, I'm 260 pounds with all my gear and everything on right now. And I couldn't get my gaff to go more than an eighth inch into the the sapwood that had died and was hardened. Right. So I'm, I'm standing on pinheads that, you know, if you move just enough forward, it changes that direction of your gaff and you just like gaff out. And I've got a skip tooth, super sharp, fully built chainsaw that I'm using to try to take a 30 foot top that is unpredictably crispy and don't know how much I can control. And it's like, got branches over my head that I'm hoping swing out of the way and miss me as they come down because I can't really safely get up there and get them. And so I'm having to do some funky face cuts and whatnot to these trees. And so it all just starts adding up. And then one of the trees in the back, um, on this back line, I tried to climb it three times and we pull tested we we got on the rope and jumped up and down and everything before we ever got me on the rope to actually start climbing to do all of our tests and two times a branch that we couldn't tell was going to break or even see that was even remotely close to breaking or we even thought would break just snapped off and dropped me a few feet which makes you uncomfortable because now you're starting to doubt the stability of the tree. And then one of those times it dropped me about five foot and I took a whipper into the neighboring tree and there was a nub and it pelted me right below my ribs and my kidneys. And that day as well had just, because we had been fighting that tree, um, I just didn't feel like we got anything done. Me and my crew member were talking about it. We were just, we just felt defeated. It was like such a waste of a day. I had only made two cuts. They were fairly large chunks of wood, but we felt like we'd be way further ahead. And now we're like, I'm, I'm very untrusting of this tree. Now I've got to figure out how to set up a new setup in a different tree and figure out how to get over to this tree and where to tie in and what's truly safe and what's not. And the only neighboring tree that I could tie into was this, the the tallest tree, 110 foot-ish. And it was in the center of the cluster. So it was only 24 inches in diameter DBH. And this thing's about 110 foot. It was the tallest of all of them. So I'm, I'm thinking 109, 110, something like that. And um, that's the one that I have to tie into at the top. And... Uh, we had already delimbed most of that tree. So now I'm shooting for a crotch. That's literally a nub. I, I only have about five inches of branch wood from the union and that's where my ropes lying. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm always thinking in those situations, like how much of an angle can I go before the rope might skip out? Or if I take a, if I take a jar on the tree, um, releasing the top of the neighboring tree and my climbing ropes at a steep angle, will that jar bounce my rope enough to throw it out of the notch because the crotch, because I'm not that far away from it. It's only like a 10 foot distance from the crotch to where I'm making the, the cut. Right. And on top of that, 
once again, um, this same tree that I was, I fell in a couple of times or had branches break out of a couple of times. It's also got bark right where I need to cut the highest point I feel comfortable getting into that has completely butterflied open. And this is the biggest tree on the property, which will, like I said, was probably 45 inches at the base, maybe, maybe 48. Um, and where I'm standing in the tree, which is still once again, like 70 something foot up, it's still a good 30 inches. And I'm trying to straddle this thing. And right where I have to stand is where the bark has completely butterflied open. And so the only good standing point I can get to get a face cut is that my left foot, my spike is actually on one of those bark flares that's rolling back from the butterfly not actually on bark that's stuck to the tree itself you know laying against the wood so i'm hoping that doesn't break off and my other leg is around and i can't barely get a, a bite in the bark because it's so dead and it keeps crumbling under me and i'm trying to make this you know face cut and this is a leaning tree so i'm under the lean trying on the side of the lean trying to cut a face cut under it and then i have to swing back around and now where my legs spread is exactly where the bark flare is on this butterfly and they're breaking off as i'm standing there and if i make a slight move a big chunk falls and i slip four or five inches down um two or three inches at a time depending on you know and then so like i i try to gaff into the hardwood the deadwood and once again i'm standing on a pinhead and now i've got to take this tree that's un un unknown right i have no idea how dead it is inside and i've got to take a, a top that was probably a good 38 foot and i'm tied into a tree that's a noodle because it's, like I said, you know, 24, 28 inches DBH and it's 100 foot tall and I'm tied in at 92 foot-ish is the best I could figure. So you can imagine the, the dynamics on that. And so, you know, the whole point of explaining all this is that I, I got to a point where I, I really lost control of um, managing my mental side of, of calmness and taking control of my emotions. And I didn't freak out. That's, that's not the word I would use by any means. What I did do though, is I allowed myself to rush and I looked at stuff that I knew needed to be different. And because of discomfort, I was like, Oh, it's good enough. And I went with it. So I took a top that was, almost 40 foot or close to 40 foot out of that tree. And I, um, I had my back cut a little too high, which I knew when I started it, but I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And I had my face cut a little too shallow, which honestly I knew at the time, but because I was just trying to get through it and I'm like cutting the chainsaw, for the face cut and the back cut was like a, above my face level that, you know, I was reaching to try to get it as short as I could. 
and um and I'm like barely standing on these spikes on this brittle and and crumbly bark and everything and tied into this tree that every time the wind moves it pulls me a foot back or whatever and I just went with it and of course it split the trunk um in the center about a foot which I'm thankful it didn't go more than that but because it was so dry and whatever it, I didn't have the face deep enough the back cut was too high and it so it could have been worse it wasn't a big deal to be honest um the i mean as far as the effects it wasn't a big deal it's not like i almost fell out of the tree or anything like that it was just realistically looking at it it could have been way worse and then the next tree i had to tackle these were the last two that i was taking the tops out of um was this center one that's you know the tallest the hundred and whatever foot one and i once again, there's big rod up there. There's a bunch of stuff that makes me feel very uncomfortable about my body weight being at that top. So I have to take that one. And it's the biggest top of all, like 43 foot is the best we can measure that it ended up being. And I am standing on a bean pole that's shaking everywhere. Um, bark is shelling out on me. And this one is like super vertical. There's like nothing straight down on that one. And so I'm trying to keep my spikes as much of an angle as I can. I'm trying to reach as high as I can because this one, I didn't want to reach across the river and hit the porch of the neighboring house, which it could have done. So I'm trying to reach up as high as I can and get as short of a cut as I can heightwise. And um, I started my face cut on the back side, but it was too low in comparison to a side branch crotch that was there and um when i did i did my angle cut first and then i went to do the flat cut and the body of the saw is having a hard time fitting to make this the flat cut because the nub was in the way so i i had my lanyard around the trunk and through that crotch and i cut off a piece of the nub and it still wasn't quite enough but i didn't want to lose my lanyard support there so I just said, oh, well, I'll do it and it'll be good enough. And when I did, there was about an inch overlap of the angle cut that where the base cut didn't meet. So I essentially created a Dutchman. And then um, the bark started swiveling under my spikes and I made a back cut that was a little too high. And, um, I was just going to go with it. And I just did go with it because I just was uncomfortable once again. And the top came out and there was a big Dutchman and a big peeler that came out, which once again, didn't turn out bad. Um, but it could have, I mean, if the tree had been any more green than it was, if it had been even slightly green in the heartwood or, you know, well, heartwood's dead, but you know what I mean? Like, um, humidified and stringy uh, it could have split that way worse and could have m made it spin a lot more and that could have been a whole nother scenario um, and and so I, I thought about those two things those two cuts that day and I, I have them on GoPro I've reviewed them a lot I, I think that everybody should be doing this I think that you should review your successes and your failures and you should be go GoPro recording at least the majority of your rigging and cutting 
um, to kind of get an idea of what you're doing and, and bad habits you have or things you can make more efficient time-wise and safer. And I couldn't get past just thinking about the fact that what led up to these two tops being like they were and the potential hazards that could have been worse in the cuts were simply me being frazzled and not taking control of my emotions. Um, my, my groundy was like, oh, you didn't seem that bothered up there because I don't express it like that. But the fact that I was thinking more about getting out of the tree than making my face notch match right or it being clean. Um, the, the fact that I didn't think about a heavy leaner and that the face notch was too shallow on a very brittle, like super heavy top that was big. The fact that both of my back cuts were too high. And the fact that what I remember of both of these situations was my spur placement and discomfort of them potentially slipping on me with a running chainsaw permeates every other aspect of these trees means that I did not take the time I needed. I did not calm myself down. I did not take control of my mental and emotional um, process. And I did not proceed in the ultimately safest way that I could have. Um, we're imperfect people. We can't do things perfectly, but we can do things to a high level of good. And I failed myself in these two occasions. Now, I'm not trying to make this more dramatic than it is. Uh, like I said, they turned out okay. They went where I needed them to go. Nobody got hurt. None of the trees fell down. You know, th that's not the point. The, the point is that it just reiterated to me that after a number of years of not really having dealt with this kind of fear, this kind of discomfort to that level. I mean, I, I'm in trees all the time where I, I have like a thought of, well, I hope this goes the way it should because there's a little bit of back lean on that or whatever. We all deal with that, but I'm pretty confident in what's going on. These were like, I wasn't even... Un in uh, unconfident <laughs> I didn't lack confidence is what I'm trying to say in these going where they should or anything like that what I lacked was um precision and trust in the tree that was holding me more than what I was cutting if that makes any I, I don't know if that makes sense I hope it does and so it got to me it it distracted me and I rushed through a few processes that I honestly should not have. Um, I ignored evidence that I saw and my mind registered as, you know, that's not ideal. That's not even close to ideal. And I was like, oh, it'll be good enough because, well, this tree's sketchy. I need to get out of it. Um, and that's where accidents start to occur if we're not careful. And you know, I I met a guy, I can't remember his name, he was a trainer for um, Nats uh, for a while, and one of the things that he said is that there's a difference between being good and being fortunate, and I totally agree with that. You can do stupid things and get away with it, and a lot of guys are like, yeah, I'm good, but honestly, a lot of times you're just fortunate, and if you keep playing on that fortunate aspect long enough, 
and you're not really skilled or you're not in control of what you're doing, eventually you're not going to be fortunate. Being good is taking control, being calculated, having the experience and the skill to do something consistently and do it well and it turn out the way you want. And to be fair, I am, I consider myself and others seem to as well that I'm, I'm good. I'm not the best. I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm competent. I'm good. Um, these cases though, were just being fortunate and that's not the ideal thing to play with, especially in big dead trees. So, um, hope that you guys kind of think about these as well. I, I hope that you're not going through super, um, complicated tree removals right now because that's never a fun thing. I mean, the, the challenge and the, the strategy and all that's awesome. I, I love that aspect of it, but hopefully it's within a safe way. Please don't rush. I, I think, and, and a lot of others that are, you know, on Instagram and in social media and whatnot talk about this as well. We need to talk about our mistakes and our failures as well as our successes. And the one thing that I think I find a lot of people have concern about is they don't know who to talk to. They're afraid somebody will judge them. Um, because you hearing my story is not you being in that tree. You're not feeling what I felt. And to be fair, you may not have felt the same thing I feel anyway. Let's say you're a lighter climber than I am. Would the bark have reacted the same to you? No, it wouldn't. But, you know, there are situations where a shorter climber deals with stretching and trying to get to certain things that make them feel comfortable versus me being a taller guy. So what I feel in the tree and what you feel in the tree, not the same things at all. But what we have to understand is we have to listen and respect the way that that person felt what made them act the way that they did instead of criticizing them for oh well that's not as big of a tree as you make it out to be or that's not as dangerous or i would have climbed that which a lot of people want to do because it makes them feel it it, it, it strokes their ego to to feel like they're better than others when we're talking to fellow climbers and they are expressing errors that they've made out of lack of control of emotion or bad judgment calls because they misread something or something like that. What they need is somebody to listen to them and help them see what they can do in the future, potentially to be better and safer. They don't need somebody bragging about how it wouldn't have been a big deal for them. Right. And I find that a lot of people are afraid to open up and talk about these topics like I'm talking about because they're afraid of what people will judge them as or how they'll treat them afterwards. Like, oh, he's not a real professional. He he was fearful. I, any professional at times is going to be stricken by some kind of fear. If you're in the tree world long enough and you progress enough, you're going to have a situation of fear. And acknowledging that and learning how to control yourself now mentally and your emotions now and not letting them get the best of you but learning how to manage that to be able to figure out how to rationalize to yourself and convince yourself all the reasons that you're okay versus all the reasons you're going to die that's super important for you to maintain that composure that we all need 
and and that's that's the whole point of this conversation. I say you, but I'm working on it too. It's I'm not pointing it at anyone because this is my situation that I just expressed, not yours, right? So I hope this helps some of you out. Um, if you ever need somebody to talk to about this stuff, if I'm available, I'm more than happy to to hear you out and try to help you. If if I have any thoughts that might be ways of controlling your emotions. Um, I know a lot of new climbers deal with these fears, especially like if you're starting crane work for the first time, or if you are a new climber and you're getting into bigger trees finally, or if it's your first time doing big rigging, or maybe you've been using a hand saw or a trim saw or a pruning saw or whatever, um, up in the tree. And now you're getting into back handle work and bigger wood. Um, these are all steps and processes most people go through. Some people don't feel that fear and that anxiety as frequently, but I guarantee you all of us feel it. The The difference is those who can figure out how to control themselves and push through it and those who give up and um, get out or those who let that fear control them and make bad decisions that are dangerous. So once again, if you ever um, need somebody to talk to about these topics, uh, hit me up. You can reach me through the email that I have, or you can reach me on Instagram at Eric E R I C underscore M C G R E W. Um, I'm also on Facebook and, uh, I hope this topic was, was good for you guys. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a very personal topic. I know that, but it does apply to the industry, and I think it's something that we all need to pay attention to. And um, I hope it's beneficial. Also, along with all of this, I wanted to make mention that I have some reviews that'll be coming up on some products that I think you guys will be interested in. I just got as of the beginning of this week of the recording, so the. I don't even know what today is. Today's the 14th. So as of the 12th, I had received the demo version of the jailbreak rigging device, the lowering device. And um, I've been in contact with the owner, Seth, and and his partner, Jake. And um, we've been talking about some stuff. And super nice guys. Um, they were willing to have it sent to me. And I am going to be giving it a go here soon. I was supposed to be out... Uh, giving it a go today. Unfortunately, the weather has been super sketchy. There's a bunch of ice on the trees and whatnot, so we're holding off at least until tomorrow, but I'm supposed to get some more snow in and whatnot tomorrow as well, so it may not be until beginning of next week. We'll just have to see what happens, but thanks for stopping by and checking out this episode of Elevated Office Podcast. I really appreciate all you guys' support. Um, if you're curious how you can support the episode, of course, subscribing to my YouTube and Instagram channels are, um, or my Instagram feed and my YouTube channel, super helpful. Also, downloading the podcast, sharing the podcast and letting other people know about it, sharing it on any of your social medias if you can. And then, of course, um, there is a there is a little button down there that's a donate button. If you want to buy me a coffee, I drink a lot of coffee. That's what helps me get through these episodes. So if you want to go and click that um, buy Eric a coffee or donate to support the show button, that would be appreciated. And um, I will, I, I've been asked a couple times, so I'm going to try to get some more merch out. Um, 
hats and shirts for Elevated Office Podcast. Let me know if you're interested in those, and I will talk to you guys in the future. Have a good day. Be safe out there. Climb safe. And don't forget, take a few seconds in the tree, calm down, make wise decisions. That way you can become a better climber, and hopefully we can climb together someday in the future. Take care.